as always, and we're back for the second straight day in a row. It feels weird to say that because that's not something I feel typical that happens on this channel, but we're back and it's exciting because the NFL season is here. It happened. We had our first game and college football is starting to get on a roll. So I thought it was a perfect time to not only break down what happened in Thursday night's game, but talk about some college football because I haven't done a good job of talking about what's happened in the realm of college football in general, and then talking about the teams, talking about the outlooks for some teams. But we're going to start with the Rams-Bills game because I, I feel like that's why people are listening because that, that's the big game that happened. So let, let's start it off like this. This was a highly, highly anticipated game coming in to basically the NFL season. Um, you had the reigning champs, the defending Super Bowl champ Rams, hosting probably, I would say, the team with the most hype going into this season. You know, massive, massive hype going into this season. And when you think about it, you always think you don't want to be a fan of that team. And, and not in like, not in a bad way, because obviously, you know, when people are praising you that, well, obviously your football team has to be good. But you never want to be the fan of a team that is getting all the attention when it comes to who's winning the Super Bowl, you know, who has the best odds coming out of their conference, who's going to win their division, all of that. You, It's almost like subconsciously you don't want that because you know there's a level of expectation that you have to hit. And if you don't hit that, then you're going to hear it from everybody. Even the ones that picked you to win the Super Bowl, picked you to win the division, picked you to win the conference, you're still going to hear it from them. And that's how it works. That's how it works. And that's why sports at the same time can be so ruthless. So ruthless. Because they love you one day and they're going to hate you another. That's just how it works. But I really want to get into this game because... Like I said, coming into this game, probably one of the most anticipated matchups we've seen in a minute, right? Besides playoff matchups, this was a huge, huge, huge game to start the NFL season. It was so big, and, and actually I'm going to go back to the Bills point real quick about how hyped up this team is coming into the season, is they were two and a half point favorites coming into this Rams game. Two and a half point favorites. We're talking about the defending Super Bowl champ Rams that still have Matthew Stafford, still have Cooper Cup, still have Jalen Ramsey, who we're going to get to, still have Aaron Donald, still have Sean McVay. But all of a sudden, you start to think to yourself and say, okay, what, what, what do they know? And, and, you know, as a better's tip is you always want to fade the public. And the money was crazy on the Rams, so you had to think like, okay, what 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 is truly up with, like what what's going on? Well, if I know anything, the Bills are that team, and and, and we're gonna we're gonna go half by half because I I think both halves were very interesting. Um, they both kind of tell you a story. The first half is not what it says in the box score. At halftime, it was 10 to 10. It did not feel like a 10 to 10 game. Now, yes, 
the Buffalo Bills had three pretty bad turnovers in the first half. You know, Josh Allen had a few picks. In fact, he had, he had two interceptions in the first half. James Cook had a pretty bad fumble. A lot of things just weren't going their, going their way, right? A lot of things weren't going their way. But you still felt that the Bills were a significantly better team. Look, the Rams, If, if you, you watch the first half, and, I mean, to the blind eye, you could even tell that, wow, the Bills are just significantly better. I mean, from top to bottom, Josh Allen was in command of the whole game. In the first half, he went 17 for 20, had 153 yards, had a touchdown, and he just looked, the Bills the whole time looked like they were just controlling the pace of the game. But my bigger problem with the first half, and what I alluded to in the beginning, was that the Rams' defense had three turnovers in that first half, and they came away with 10 points. If the Bills didn't have those three turnovers, which I'm going to call silly turnovers, and, and, and just bad turnovers, if they didn't have those turnovers, I'm sorry, but I think the Bills would have been up by a lot more coming into halftime. I think they would have. So that's why I look at this this first half, and it kind of, it, I mean, to anyone, it kind of shocks you that it was 10 to 10 because the Bills had outplayed the Rams top to bottom. Besides the three turnovers, everything was going the Bills' way. Everything. Matthew Stafford was struggling. He, he wasn't able to get rhythm. Don't even get me started with the rushing offense. And we're, we're going to get into, we're going to get to the Rams and everything. But, but just the first half alone, if you take away those three turnovers, the Bills are up by 20 or something. I mean, they are. They just look that good. And then we finally saw it in the second half. Then we finally saw and said, okay, now, now what we've been seeing in the first half is starting to translate to the scoreboard, starting to translate to the box or It's starting to translate to the stats. Josh Allen could have not played a better second half. He was 9 for 11, 144 yards, two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. And I have to say, a pretty damn incredible throw to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown on the run. Pretty damn impressive. I mean, he's obviously he's a right-handed quarterback, so it's not like you know he's, he's rolling to his left and making that type of throw. But still, I mean, that is a 50-yard heave to a wide-open Stephon Diggs. So, a lot of things went, went, the, went the Bills way in the second half. I mean, it was everything. The defense was starting to show up. Really, there wasn't a lot of problems. I mean, I think, I think besides, and I, I can rave about Stephon Diggs and, and Josh Allen and all they did, but what I was most impressed by was the rush attack and the Bills' front seven. I think those were two of the main contributors to this win. Now, if you look at the stat sheet and, you know, you, you, look, you look at the rushing attack for the Bills, you'd say, well, Jude, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if you look at the rush attack, you know, Devin Singletary, he had 48 yards. Um, Zach Moss had 15. Josh Allen had 56. Yeah, but Devin Singletary was averaging six yards a carry. Josh Allen was averaging almost six yards a carry. This, it, yes, it's not the sexiest stat line you'll see, but... If it wasn't for the rush attack, I don't think the the passing game would have been as great. Because, it, it, I mean, look, Devin Singletary is not a guy that you put out on the field and defense is like, you know, they take a second look like, oh, he, he's coming on the field. No, they don't do that. 
but just having that aspect of not always having to rely on Josh Allen. And, and yes, the, the, the Bills offense, uh, rush attack, I should say, last year, which is pretty good, was top 10 in rushing yards last year. So they were good. Devin Singletary had about 840 rushing yards last year. But it was the fact that it was so efficient. And when they needed the rush, it worked. And so if you're adding that dynamic to the Bills, and I, I, I will say that Josh Allen does have to be smarter about some of the run plays. I, I, the, the touchdown that he, he got on Bobby Wagner was beautiful, and, and the dunk on him was beautiful. But you can't do that for 17 weeks. You can't. I mean, you're, you're, you're practically risking injury at that point. Um, and that's how I looked at it from that perspective. Besides that, Josh Allen had a flawless game. I thought he played beautiful. I know he had the two interceptions. Um, but, man, he, he just he looked like what people had been saying all offseason. This is an MVP candidate. He, he fit that last night. He fit that last night. So I'm going to jump to the Rams. And, and I'm, I'm going to start with how I could easily, easily make this podcast. And, and you guys know me as a Dallas Cowboys fan. It would put a smile on my face. To absolutely roast Jalen Ramsey. Absolutely roast Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he allowed six completions on seven targets, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Primarily, most of that was damage was done by Stephon Diggs, who I don't think I praised enough, but had a fantastic game. 122 yards, a touchdown, really just made the game look easy really just made it look easy but i'm i'm done with the bills so i could i could easily like delve into jalen ramsey and be like well what did i tell you guys trevon dig is better than jalen ramsey right i I could go on a rant about that but it's one game and and i would and i would do the same if it was trevon Diggs. if trevon Diggs had a bad game like this you guys know me i would simply be like Every corner has a bad game. And that's what happens. Every corner has a bad game. And I'm not, that, this isn't a Jalen Ramsey. It, this isn't the fall of Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is perfectly fine. People have these games. I honestly just think they just weren't prepared. I mean, I don't, they don't think, I don't think they were prepared for what the Bills were going to throw at them. I, I personally just don't think. Um, I mean, the corner that did have a good game was Nick Scott. Um, but what I really worried about was Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford in the offensive line. And I preached this before the game, how I do have concerns about what Matthew Stafford can bring to the table. Look, I said it before. I think the elbow injury is a lot bigger than we think. And I know the Rams and and everyone tried to brush it off as like, yeah, but, you know, Burrow got something this offseason, you know. Guys, Matthew Stafford went to a baseball doctor to see about this elbow injury. You are not going to a baseball doctor over just, you know, a normal elbow injury. You're going if there is serious concern about that elbow injury. Now, obviously, he's still playing and he made a few good throws. But overall, I mean, you guys saw it yourself. Matthew Stafford did not have a good game. There was overthrows. Um... One of the interceptions that was thrown to Dane Jackson in the, the first half, I believe, completely, completely missed Higby. I mean, we're talking good five, six yards. And Higby was open. Higby was open. So I'm, I'm not going to boast here and say, well, look at Jude. He, he was right about. But I, I will say, and and I don't think it's still, I don't think it's a major concern 
moving forward. I did think it would be apparent in this game because it's the first game of the season. There's a lot of hype. You know, as much as you want to say those joint practices or whatever get you ready for the NFL season, they don't. You, you just you have to go through actual games to develop that. So that's what I saw was the biggest thing. And not only that, but the offensive line wasn't helping. Matthew Stafford was sacked 17 times. I mean, not 17 times, sorry. Seven times. He had 15 quarterback hits, and that led to three interceptions. An interesting stat I saw was that the Bills didn't blitz once. They didn't blitz once. That is seven sacks on those on those plays that the Bills did not blitz. They didn't blitz. They didn't blitz on those plays. Straight up four-man rush. And you know who was doing the damage? Former Super Bowl champ and former Ram, Von Miller. Von Miller made the biggest impact for the front seven. I mean, they made Jordan Phillips, a defensive tackle, look like an absolute beast. An absolute beast. They did. Made him look like an absolute beast. And I'm sitting here and saying, I mean, if you got a if you got someone like that just making a play with a spin move, are we serious? I mean, Jordan Phillips is 6'6, 341. And he's hitting spin moves? He's been in the lab with Von Miller, that's all I can say. Von Miller had two sacks, three hurries, three tackles for loss. He could have not could have not had a better stat line. Could have not had a better stat line. But I'm going to wrap it up with this. I'm going to wrap it up with this because I don't want to go here and slander the Rams all night. Because, look, first game of the season, I'm not going to overreact. I'm not saying that the Rams are done. They're more and well in the position to still be the best team in the NFC, win the NFC, or even just be in one of those top spots. But what I will say is there is reason to panic with over the offensive line. The offensive line, to me, does throw a few problems. Because if that does not get fixed up, and you play another team that has a good front seven, you're doomed. I mean, we, we saw it last night. Seven sacks? Seven sacks. 15 quarterback hits. You can't afford that with Matthew, with Matthew Stafford. And the other thing is, they can't afford that, plus not having the options at running back and the options at receiver. And that's minus Cooper Cup, who had a fantastic game. Cooper Cup was awesome. Cooper Cup was awesome. He's always awesome. He's fine. You have to involve Allen Robinson more. You got to get Higby the ball. And the rush attack has to be significantly better. And I know if you're a Cam Akers fantasy owner, you're crying in the club right now. But I will read his stats. He had three attempts for zero yards. Darnell Henderson, 13 attempts for 47 yards, averaging just about three and a half yards a carry. This team is going to have have to find some sort of offense. I think the loss of Kevin O'Connell, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right now. There's no life in this offense. Absolutely no life outside of Cooper Cup. There's no life. So I'll be interested to see how the Rams rebound next week. I'll be interested. 
I, I think, th- I th- like I've said, I think the team will rebound. There's not a doubt in my mind. Uh, they play the Atlanta Falcons next week. You should pick up a win right there. Then you have the Cardinals, the 49ers, Cowboys. Those are three tough games. We'll see how they're after week five. But I, th- I think I think it's like middle ground for me with, with the Rams. But like I said, this is not a time to overreact, guys. There's still plenty of football left. Changes can be made. Rosters can be fixed. But when you do have a few glaring issues like that, it is, it's not a panic state, but it is, okay, we have to figure this out right now. So, carrying on to more important news, let's talk some college football. Let's talk some college football, guys, because college football is amazing, and college football is fun, and it's here. It's here, and it's exciting. But there's a problem with college football. And the problem is the matchups. The matchups are, for better words, boring. Boring. They're boring. And I don't mean every matchup, but with these top teams, they're boring. They're not fun. And the two teams I'm specifically talking about is Alabama and Georgia. Look, Alabama, plus last week's game, these will be their first four games they play. Utah State. Texas, La Monroe, and Vanderbilt. Crickets. Crickets. I mean, th- there's not an enticing matchup. Yes, Texas, you know, the, the historic franchise in Texas. Texas isn't good right now. As much as we as much as I want to sugarcoat it, Texas isn't good right now. They're not a good football team right now. Can they get there? Yeah, they can get there. But right now, in this moment in time, when they have a game tomorrow at 9 a.m. or 12 o'clock, wherever you live, they're not very good right now. And that's not going to change overnight. Alabama is significantly better. So there needs to be some juice to some college football. Because college football is exciting, don't get me wrong. But they but they need to and, – and I think – and this goes to my next point, is this 12-team expansion for the college football playoffs hopefully is going to do justice to this. Hopefully, it will take away these, I don't want to say non-competitive, but non-competitive games, guys. I mean, I mean, Georgia's playing Sanford tomorrow. Sanford. Not Stanford. Sanford. Then they'll play South Carolina. Then they'll play Kent State. Then they'll play Missouri. Then they'll play Auburn. Then they'll play Vanderbilt. And then we have to wait till October 29th. When they play Florida, who hopefully keeps it up, and I'll get to, until they have to play that team, October 29th. October 29th, guys. It is September 9th right now. What is the point of watching Georgia? I mean, this team's just going to dominate. Same with Alabama. Same with Alabama. And yeah, you you know, they play in Arkansas and Texas A&M and Tennessee and Mississippi State. But come on, guys. I mean, Arkansas, maybe that'll be a good matchup. But Alabama and Georgia are in a league of their own right now. They are. And right now, if I had to put it in, and, and this is, I think college football in the NFL is different because there's always that team in the NFL, a few teams that can, they can make that little run. They can, they can you know, Put fear into opponents' eyes. You know those. You know that they don't start the season off well, but they can come up later in the season. And that is not the case in college football, and that's not the case because to get in the college football playoffs right now, 
you basically cannot lose a game. Unless you're Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State. I'm not even going to put Clemson in that mix right now. Um, you cannot lose a game. You can't. It's just, it, it's not how it works. And th- these teams don't lose games anyway. Like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, they'll have their occasional like, whoa, like they just lost to that team, but it does not matter at the end of the day. They're still going to the college football playoffs and they still are going to compete for a national championship. But if I had to put it down right now, if I had to put it right down now, clearly the SEC championship is going to be Alabama versus Georgia. <laughs> I, I don't really think there's debating that. I mean, unless... You know, something happens, God willing, God forbiddingly, it is going to be Georgia versus Alabama. Now, why do I like Georgia a little bit more? Why do I like them more? Because not only, and I mentioned this in my last podcast, that their defense that had a crazy number of draftees last year got better this year. Maybe not better, but it's still the same level that they were playing last year. And last year, people were saying that was some of the best defense they've ever seen. And now you're adding on a second-year Stenson Bennett, who scored in every in the first seven possessions of the game versus Oregon. And look, I, I get that Oregon and the Pac-12, you know, they had their reputation be kind of the lower conference. But Oregon was still ranked. No matter what you thought of Oregon, they were still a ranked team. Oregon's still a well-known team. Guys, Georgia went out there and beat them 49 to 3. 49 to 3. Stinson Bennett went 25 for 31, 368, and two touchdowns. He looked and and I'm pretty sure felt more comfortable in the offense. But it was just like he wasn't stiff. He was relaxed. He was playing relaxed. And that's the biggest thing for a quarterback. When a quarterback's playing relaxed and there's not this stiffness of them, you can tell, and that's when it gets dangerous. So that, that's why, personally, I have the pick for Georgia right now. By all means, Alabama can beat this team. By all means. By all means, they can beat them. And it's going to be a hell of a game when they play. It's going to be a hell of a game when they play. But unfortunately... If we want to see good SEC football, we have to wait till December. Um, so I'll, I'll finish this up with just my last point. My last point, and I like Florida, guys. That's my. T- that's the team that I'm buying stock this year. Yes, maybe they beat a Pac-12 Utah team. Still top 10 in the nation. Pac-12 champions last year. But Anthony Richardson is a guy that NFL teams should start looking at right now because there is a future for that dude there is a future for him he had athleticism in fact he ran for 106 yards against utah he has the talent at arm i mean he has the arm talent i think this is a special guy i think he is i mean we we have to see how florida plays for the rest of the year but I'm telling you guys, they have Kentucky this weekend. Um, they Obviously, they play Georgia in a few basically a month or so. That's going to be the big game. They also play Texas A&M. Not saying that this is a college football playoff team, but they can get pretty close. They're, they're going to be in the top 10, I believe. I mean, I, I truly believe this team has the talent to, to take them where they want to go. 
But it, it, it's all Anthony Richardson. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jude. Sign out.